The story of Tamsin Blight has it all. Sorcery, a drama-filled marriage, and an enterprising businesswoman slash witch at the center of it. Okay, TLC, are you on it? This sounds like a reality show. (laughs) Well, all of it took place in the 1800s in Cornwall, England, which has been called the Salem of Britain. So lots of witches over there. I take it back. If I, I know I've said things about time travel, but if I were to time travel, I think this is my new destination. Yeah, it sounds too expensive for TLC's location manager to do some yeah. scouting. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. And every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. And today we are talking about Tamsin Blight. And talk about a doozy, Christine, because we've got witches. We've got queer history. We've got scandal. <gasps> I know. I mean, I know I we put TLC on the back burner, but like maybe we'll produce this show. This sounds like something I want to watch. Oh, okay. Well, first we need a production company. Let's hop onto that next. Okay, step one. <laughs> we'll have a meeting after we record this. Let's crack into it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Christine, what do you know about Cornwall, England, besides the fact that you want to time travel there? I've heard that it's considered the Salem of Mm. England. I don't know where I heard that, but I feel like that's something I've learned in the past. It sounds like not at all recent uh, information you got within the last (laughs) 60 seconds. No, I don't know who would have taught me that. But otherwise, not much. I feel like it's (laughs) just one of those places that lives in my subconscious. Sure. (laughs) As a place I've heard of, but don't really know much about (laughs) Why are you laughing at me? What a great way to define that. It's like, oh, well, it's officially a place in my mind as of yeah, a minute ago. There's a pin in the map, in my mental map. I know exactly what you're talking about. And maybe it's the neurodivergence that we maybe. share, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's in my mind palace. <laughs> so I feel like I've talked about Cornwall, England before on And That's Why We Drink. I, I feel like there's a, 
a story there. It must be, because if it is similar to Salem, which I know a little bit more about, but again, still haven't been, still just a pin on the map, then I'm, I imagine it had to be somehow related to a topic you've discussed. I feel like the issue with having two podcasts and one coming so much later that's much more well-researched yeah. is that I regret like 300 episodes where I didn't have <laughs> the podcast research team by my side. So... <sighs> If I ever talked about Cornwall, England, and that's how you drink, and now you're popping over here and you're screaming in your car about us, sorry, I missed the mark, not knowing sorry, about Cornwall. Sorry, I missed the mark. I'm not taking any responsibility. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess our version of Cornwall would be Salem, Massachusetts. Right. Have you ever been, or is there a town that's particularly witchy to you? As you know, I've never been. And as you know, I complain about it at least once a month. And I will go eventually, but I feel like I have to go with you at this point because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right to go without you. So we're going to just have to make a trip one of these days. I know you've been, and it sounds like the kind of place I would absolutely adore. It is. Especially, we just had Halloween. Wow, people really flocked to Salem this year. I remember seeing like articles coming out where like the town of Salem was like, please stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any more fun witch hats to give out. Yeah. We're out. We're sold out. It started out really tame where like the Hocus Pocus house, which happens to actually be in Salem, which I love that ah. factoid because most of that stuff is like LA or Atlanta, but it's actually in Salem, the house that they filmed in. And people live there. It's a residence. And so I guess. Oh, no. And they're used to during Halloween all of a sudden getting a lot of traffic in their neighborhood and they put out a post being like you're welcome to walk the main streets and take a picture from afar or not drive here but maybe walk here it started out with that where Salem was like everything else is open though and then like three days later Salem was like never mind nobody come <laughs> please help help <laughs> we're drowning <laughs> but no I haven't been in a while and I've always gone during the off season which it's still spooky during the off season they have a great wand shop I really want to take you to <gasps> it's a good place there's a lot of tours there's a whole like historic area which they also filmed Hocus Pocus at by the way wow anyway let's move on before I don't stop about movie factoids okay have you ever heard of Tamsin Blight I sure have not me either. And once again, I don't know how we've had a 300 episode true crime paranormal show where I'm just like so behind. But at this point, I'm like past embarrassment and just <laughs> at like a re I'm resigned to the fact that I don't know anything. I feel like our show is now just a walk of shame every Sunday yeah. where I'm just like, OK, <laughs> yeah. well, here I go pretending to be the expert once on something. Again. <laughs> Do you know any other famous witches, though, instead of Tamsin Blight? There's your uh, your stepmom. There's my stepmom. Yeah, okay. She would be very thrilled to know she's a famous witch. Famous in my mind. <laughs> in your mind palace with Cornwall, England. <laughs> Some examples, I think a, a figure that pops up in people's minds a lot is Madame Laveau, the voodoo queen. Oh, sure. We've talked yeah. about on our other show, the Bell Witch. We've talked about Agnes oh, yeah. Sampson. Oh, yeah. I know they're also not witches, but I feel like they're attached to Salem history enough that we think of like Giles Corey and things like that. I do know of many more historical witches, especially from all the tutelage you've brought to the table on the spot. I don't do well under pressure, you know? The phrase tutelage hurts a little because we both know it's untrue. But yes, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I'm going to ride that high until someone calls us out on Reddit about it. Excellent. Well, just to catch you up to speed then on Miss Tamsin, Tamsin Blight was a well-known witch in Cornwall, England during the early 1800s. Mm. And before you ask or wonder, because it would be natural for you to wonder at this point, she was actually not persecuted or burned at the stake. Oh, thank God. 
we got a good story today. We did it. I guess when you said 1800s, I was surprised because I was thinking this was going to be another like 1600s witch persecution story. You know, I feel like we, and by we, I mean as a generation, I feel like when we think of witches, it's either far into the past, 1600s, or it's modern new age witchcraft. And there's no one ever talks about what's going on in the gray space. So yeah, we're talking about the 1800s today, which is fun. But finally, I don't have to end this with she was burned at the stake. So oh, thank God. Yeehaw. She was actually born <laughs> eight years after Parliament abolished this kind of capital punishment. Oh, she's like right on time. <laughs> <laughs> she made it. She didn't even suffer any kind of outcasting. And she was actually pretty popular and had powerful social standing in her community. Wow. Good for her. Good for her. But the witches from like 150 uh-huh. years before are like, are you? Are you? Effing kidding me. Kidding me. Tamsin was born in 1798, but little is known about her early life, and it's assumed that she was born into a poor family. A lot of what we know is from a Cornish folklorist named William Battrell, who wrote about Tamsin's life. And Mm. I've got a fun fact for you. Tamsin is apparently a nickname for her for Thomasine. Thomasine? Which I wonder if that is that the feminine Thomas? It sounds like it. It's kind of cute. I've never even heard for the, I mean, this is... I feel like baby names right now, we're going through a wave of like, quote, older names. Yeah, we love like the grandma generation names now. Yeah. And I feel like Thomasine could fit right in. I I bet you it's out there somewhere. I mean, Josephine, right? That's another. Yeah, that's a great Mm. point. Anyway, she also went by the nickname Tammy Blee, which apparently Blee is Cornish for Wolf. And I feel like. I love that. Tammy Wolf would have really thrived as a radio DJ. So. Yes, or like a NASCAR driver. (laughs) Um, But we're just calling her Tamsin to keep it simple. So (laughs) now if you're going to get to know Tamsin, you got to understand where she comes from first. And Cornwall, England during the 17-1800s was a very witchy place to be, which does blow my mind a little that we're now celebrating witches so quickly after the 1600s. I feel like it took a lot longer for us to become more accepting of this, but... Absolutely. Marion Gibson is an expert on 16th and 17th century paganism, and she described the area like this. Every village would have had people thought to be skilled in magic in one way or another, and people in the area would go to them for their specialist services, just as we might go to a lawyer or plumber today. I mean... Talk about a change from the dark history of witchcraft from not too long before. Absolutely. Like, what a shift. (laughs) What a cultural shift. Everyone went... Oh, never mind. (laughs) Oh, never mind. You're now in the yellow pages. (laughs) Right. People made yearly pilgrimages to the magic sorcerers in Cornwall. They'd actually go in the spring. This is a lovely spring tradition, I think, because that was when the sun's rays were thought to increase the power in magic. Wow. So it was just like the most powerful time to go to get your services done. I love that. It was probably just better weather, and Halloween time was like, eh, it's too rainy and dreary. Let's go in the spring. That's a great point. <laughs> I like, yeah. <laughs> Especially if most of them are probably walking or like taking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Outdoor a transportation. Horse. Yeah. <laughs> Witches, healers like Tamsin were called pellers. And that's mm-hmm. a word that most likely comes from the word expel. So someone who can expel or repel spells. I feel like I'm Eminem all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, you sound like it. (laughs) 
I'm as unassuming as him when you take the first look, yeah. <laughs> Certainly. So there's someone who can expel curses, spells, things like that. And okay. I feel like I would love to know a Peller today. I could still find a way to use them. Yeah, I love that. Especially you and me. I feel like we've got something going on. We're just constantly screwing things up and in need of somebody to expel our problems. <laughs> <laughs> Another term for Pellers was actually cunning folk at the time. Oh, I like that too. I feel like even their nicknames are just so complimentary. Like They've got a way with words. And people really respected these cunning folk. If someone even mentioned that they were going to a peller, it could be enough to convince a thief to return stolen goods or make amends. No. Are you kidding me? Wow. So... These uh, Pellers were not to be trifled with. High esteem, yes. And if you're curious what distinguishes Pellers from being grouped in with the stereotypical evil witches at the time, right. which I certainly am because I was like, what on earth could, what? what's happening here? How did all of a sudden we go from witches bad to Pellers just on a pedestal? Yeah. So it's theorized that Pellers weren't targeted for witchcraft because they worked alone, unlike witches who met in covens. Okay, that seems like... Splitting hairs, right? Right, like a silly distinction. I mean, not a silly distinction, but like as far as like you're going to persecute one versus the other, that seems like really that's the line you're going to draw? Okay. I also feel like during the trials, like they didn't ask if you were in a coven or not. They just thought, oh, if you're a witch, we're coming after you. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you work alone. So that's said to be the reason, which I feel like I would have squinted my eyes and lowered my mm. brow to a few people. Yeah. Pellers also claimed that they could fight witchcraft. Which, oh, okay. I'm okay. intrigued. And people often went to them for helping lift curses. So on occasion, Pellers even would help identify supposed witches or even just everyday criminals. Uh, this is getting a little, I don't know. I don't know about that. It feels like they just like Pellers because they're like narcs in the witch community, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. And honestly, like, how do they know these things? It sounds like they're just kind of playing along sometimes. I don't I don't know the details, but I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. I like the idea of them lifting curses and identifying everyday criminals, but it feels almost hypocritical in a certain way because like I still like that like okay we're now entering this this wave of witchcraft is powerful and something to be admired. But mm -hmm. it feels very on the nose of the inverse of just calling out people the for inverse. witchcraft. And yeah. now all of a sudden people that are known for witchcraft are just getting to point their fingers at somebody and say criminal. That's what I'm wondering is like they're pointing out everyday criminal. How are they knowing this? Are they just guessing? Are they saying I just get a sense of it? Like this could go wrong. This sounds like the inverse, like you said, of pointing fingers at witches. Especially if I have to assume at least one of these pillars is bullshit. They're just going around pointing fingers at people being like, oh, they should be in jail, you know? Yeah, I don't love that. So I, I don't know where I stand just yet, but definitely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And as historian Owen Davies put it, that witches were evil, but cunning folk were useful, which I don't know. how. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see that they made a difference in their mind. But to me, I'm like, witches could have been useful, too, if you didn't call them the enemy. Yeah, they were like getting corn. Oh, right. Stolen <laughs> from the sky or something. Airmailing corn or something. <laughs> Airmailing corn left and right. Here's the other thing, though, where it gets a little shady. OK. Pellers were also very secretive. And mm. they told clients not to share tricks or spells with anyone. So a lot of the details on how the magic was done was kept under wraps. Mm. Okay. Which, like, mm. sure, a lot of business is done behind closed doors. I guess that's your prerogative. <laughs> but it makes me feel like they could possibly advise people to do anything and call it magic. 
It feels like, uh, like, what are you hiding? <laughs> yeah. I also jotted down, I wanted to say that I feel like a hundred years ago, private counsel by these people would have been considered threatening by people who didn't yeah. understand witchcraft. So interesting that now we're praising them for being secretive. I agree. And yeah, I feel like if you're doing it behind closed doors, there's got to be a fraud somewhere in there. Then you're just telling people whatever you want and telling them, oh, cured. Yeah, it's a little topsy-turvy. I mean, I, I would agree that it's much better than how it used to be, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it's still a little bit, yeah, like you said, shady. It's interesting that I so badly want them to be the underdog and win, but I also still have my like my wits about me, and I'm like, hmm, what, what could this mean? <laughs> you have at least one wit left about you. <laughs> Just yes. one, I'm clinging on. <laughs> Coming up, now you know her world. Now let's dig into the details of Tamsin Blight's life and magic and how she may have gotten her powers from a captured mermaid. Okay, well now, I said topsy-turvy too soon because now (laughs) what on earth is happening? I can't wait. This is season finale material, my friends. (laughs) Yes. They're responsible for some of the most horrifying acts of violence ever known. Men and women who went to lethal extremes. But why? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, follow the life and crimes of an actual murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Using extensive research and details you won't hear anywhere else, Serial Killers examines the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Listen now and catch our special series on manhunts, where we follow the processes police use as they hunt for murderers in treacherous terrains and unusual locations. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. By this point, you know, Tamsin Blight comes from a magical place, Cornwall, England. And Mm -hmm. there were allegedly villages where Pellers lived, who people came from everywhere to visit. But we also know the magic was mostly kept on the down low when it came to understanding how it all worked. Sure. So where did Tamsin Blight's magical powers come from? Mermaids. Oh, my. Oh, my. Did not see that twist, I don't think. Did not see that plot twist. Here's the story. Pellers from Cornwall, like Tamsin, were said to come from the bloodline of Matthew Ludi of Curry. Okay. According to folklore, Matthew captured a mermaid, and the mermaid, of course, was not into this and wanted to go back home instead of being Uh, abducted. Sure. You know how it goes. And Uh in exchange for returning it to the sea... She gave Matthew magic powers, which turned him into a peller, which I feel like he just got rewarded for a crime. But okay, Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm pointing at him as a criminal. Yeah. 
you know, pointing him out. That seems like uh, not the way to do it, but okay. And the origin story, I understand her bribery for self-preservation, but also I feel like his whole bloodline afterwards like was somehow given the spectacular gift. Yeah. Tamsin was rumored to be related to Matthew and got her Peller powers somewhere along the bloodline that way. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So she was born with it. Yeah. Tamsin was a practicing Peller when at age 38, she married her husband, James Thomas, also a self-proclaimed Peller. He also worked at a mine, which, loving the plan B, that we've got backup income. I love that. Love that. You need to diversify, you know? I also love that on their wedding day, did she call herself Thomasine Thomas? (gasps) Now that is fun. I feel like you could have marketed yourself real good with a name like that. Yeah, Tammy Thomas. Oh. Tamson Thomas. Tammy the Wolf Thomas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the wolf. Yeah, that sounds like a lawyer on a billboard. (laughs) (laughs) So the couple most likely lived off of James's income for a while until Tamson's Peller business took off. Great. And she was known for ridding people and animals of evil spirits, which I like that animals were part of her clientele. Yeah, I love that. There are even stories of her healing people who came to her on stretchers and they would leave walking. Okay, now this is starting to sound like biblical stories. It's starting to sound miraculous, what she's capable yeah. of, yeah. And there's a famous Cornish tale called The Ghost of Stithians that involves Tamsin, where mm. a man wanted to conjure the spirit of an old female relative in order to find where she had buried her fortune. Oh my. Not to say hi and I miss you, but like... <laughs> not, not to see you. <laughs> All the family secrets. No, just to, Give me the to money. find some, some money. So Tamsin organized a circle around the man and conjured the spirit of the old woman. It took place in the Stithian's graveyard where the woman was buried and witnesses report hearing crashing sounds and moans and groans from the grave of the woman while this was all happening. Okay, but so wait. So they thought didn't think this through. They're going to conjure her, but she's still in her coffin. That's such a good point. Like, it sounds like she was still in the grave. Yeah, no wonder she was moaning and groaning. She was like, I'm buried alive. Crashing around? Yeah, like, what on earth? That seems like you skipped from step one to step ten. Well, anyway, she has now involved herself in ghostly lore, which I love a ghostly lore. Me too. So the group got scared and ran off and no treasure was ever found. But it seems to have been great PR for Tamsin, so not a total wash. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a powerful move if that's the case. I do kind of hate that they conjured her from the dead and then left her in her grave, but, you know. You probably didn't unconjure her. I don't know. I would think not. Oh, well, she's at least got the credit now of like, oh, yeah, I'm part of a ghost story. Okay. And she's the main character in it, too. So, win-win for her publicity. Mm -hmm. Okay, here is the drama situation in (gasps) Escandalo. I'm very excited. Hey, I'm ready. So while Tamsin was busy healing the sick and pelling spirits, her husband James was busy doing other things. And I take that to mean he was not in a mine. He was doing other other things. (laughs) Yeah, he was doing tertiary things. Oh, no. So rumor has it that his Peller career was not going as smoothly as his wife's, which led to rivalry. Oh, boo-hoo. A.K.A. a jealous man. Okay, well, we've we've seen it before. We'll see it again. Never heard of him. <laughs> James had a reputation for overstating his powers, which, again, Kel is a man bragging when he doesn't deserve to. But okay, a newspaper called him a drunk, disgraceful, beastly fellow. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> which I feel like he was not... He was bragging about being in the paper, but then when people would go look at the paper, he was like, don't read it, though. (laughs) He's like, I was featured on the 
second page. Yeah. But don't read it too closely. I was headlining, but also I don't need you to know what it said. For all the wrong reasons. It called me a fellow. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fellow. A fellow in my own. That was like on his brochure. It said like dot, dot, dot. A fellow, quote unquote, <laughs> and then like the newspaper. <laughs> and so I guess the paper had something to say about him and maybe they were out of something because very soon after that, James gets accused of using magic to seduce men. <gasps> oh, my. Yeah, because you can only do that with magic. Right. It's not like you could actually back in the day. <laughs> Why else would a man sleep with another man? Right. Well, hey, that's like there's some certain uh, internalized homophobia going on there or maybe just general homophobia going on there where it's like, oh, well, you had to be bewitched to do something gay. Yeah, there you need some dark power to get that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Also, I got to flip it on its head real quick because here's the situation and it becomes a little cringe. He apparently was sleeping with several male clients as part of a ritual to lift curses they were oh, under, which no. changes the game. Oh, that's bad. That's power <sighs> dynamic. Yep. Not good. Yep, Not yep, good. yep. Yeah, how noble of him to provide this service for people. So wow. there's no word on whether it broke a curse or not or if his rituals worked. <sighs> but this was extra taboo compared to how taboo we see it currently. Sure. It was extra taboo then because same-sex relationships were illegal in England at the time. Mm. And before we get into James, I do want to throw in a little quick queer history lesson. Mm -hmm. In 1533, the British Parliament passed an act that outlawed same-sex relationships, and if convicted, it was punishable by death. So basically you're saying a witch now is no longer able to be executed, but... Someone in a same-sex relationship is. Okay, cool. Interesting. The timeline is, I don't know what was going on before the 1500s, but this was 100 years before witches. Oh, this was much earlier. Okay, okay. I see, I see. But imagine in the 1600s, you're queer and a witch, which is a lot of people I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. You mean current day. You're not, in, not back in the 1600s. Right. Okay. Yeah, you're in double trouble. Ugh. By the way, I do want to say, looked it up, and there are still places where this is the case, where same-sex relationships can be punishable by death. So there's yes. 11 countries, I think, on the roster currently. So yes. history has yet to be a full circle all the way through, but we are much closer than, than before. Thank goodness. And this law of homosexuality being punishable by death, this was the law during the lifetime of Tamsin and James, and mm. it was the law of the land until 1861. Okay, so it was still... It was still during the witch trials. So it lasted longer than the execution of witches, mm -hmm. basically. Yep. Yikes. Okay. And the death penalty for same-sex relationships was done away with after that, but you could still be punished with prison time, which oh, even... How gracious. <laughs> even more than 11 countries today still have this also. Yeah, definitely. Then in the late 1960s, England started easing restrictions on sex acts between men. Wow. So... The 60s. 60 years ago. Wow. And then in 2013, England and Wales allowed same-sex couples to marry. So in those 60 or 50 years, we have certainly... um. Changed history. And actually, oh. last week, same-sex marriage became legal in all of Mexico. So I want to clap, but just very slowly and not enthusiastically right. because it doesn't really feel like, um, you know, it feels like it's about time. But, you know. I want to give one apprehensive snap of like. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yay. Good for you. I mean, I'm, I'm happy about it. Don't get me wrong. 
Well, back to more things to bum us out about queer history, which James has inserted himself into now. So Mm. back to Tamsin's husband, James, who lived during some of the most restrictive times for same-sex relationships Mm. and decided using his power as leverage was the way to go to... I know. Yikes. It turned out his ploy of seducing clients as part of his magic was something that he did repeatedly. Oh, no. And word got out and a warrant was issued for his arrest for wanting to commit a disgraceful offense, which I do not like that he is being arrested for the wrong thing here because the disgraceful offense is him being gay. Well, yeah, exactly. Like he's being arrested for for being gay, but it sounds like the actual crime here is like coercing people to sleep with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under false pretenses. Yeah, we also don't know if uh, any of the clients were even like semi-consenting to this or just felt obligated to do it because it was a ritual, so... I guess for all we know, maybe it was consensual and, you know, just to spare themselves, they said, oh, he did it as magic or something. Like, who knows? I guess we don't know, but if it is like he was coercing them, then yikes, big yikes. Definitely a power dynamic I would still want him investigated for. Yeah. When James's drama started affecting Tamsin's reputation, the couple separated. Mm. But... Could Tamsin escape the damage her husband's scandal had caused? Hmm. I mean, sounds like she's pretty damn powerful. So I, I think perhaps. I think you're right. She's gonna oh, good. <laughs> she's gonna figure it out. Up next, I'll tell you about the magic charms that saved Tamsin's business. Okay, well, um, mermaids first, now magic charms. Um, I'm I'm buckled up. Yep. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So let me ease all your worries. Despite the marriage drama, Tamsin Blight's work as a peller was still in high demand. All right. And being a successful businesswoman, she decided to diversify her income with a new product, Magic Charms. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. And the charms had the power to ward off evil. I could use a charm, to be honest. (laughs) I think we have plenty. We have (laughs) crystals. We have... We have all sorts of stuff. This was despite the fact that they were nothing more, by the way. They weren't crystals. They weren't the charms we've got. They were literally, Christine, little pieces of paper with magical words written on them. Okay. Which, okay, power of manifestation, but... I guess, yeah. Still, she was somehow... Business was booming, and she was just writing words on paper, and that was... a dream. You know what? Intention is intention is intention, I guess. But the words were... Most likely copied from other books, so they weren't even her own original words. Okay, okay. But here's the thing. Some of the words had no meaning, like not any magical connection at all. Yeah, I don't know if like manifestation works if you don't even know what you're reading or saying. It's a great point, Christina. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Some of the magical words that she would write down on these pieces of paper were nalga, tetragrammatron, (laughs) 
<laughs> what? That's not the your go to. That's that's what I write on the mirror, and every morning I look at <laughs> I look at it. I say Tetramedragon, and I say this is me manifesting all my dreams, my wildest dreams. You give yourself daily affirmations. You say yes, <laughs> Tetragrammatron. I am beautiful. Tetragrammatron. Yes. I am wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and another word that she would write down was actually abracadabra. Oh, that one I know. That one I know, too. And a quick sidebar on abracadabra. Its origin is apparently from 1690s Latin. Okay. Really? And during that time, it was actually written out and worn to ward off sickness. Okay, so that one's a, you know, has a little bit of history, I guess. We should have done that during, uh, like, the heat of the COVID pandemic, just written abracadabra on our shirts or something, and boom, no sickness. Problem solved. Yeah, de- definitely. No no vaccines needed. It was that easy all along, it's folks. that powerful. You need a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I do know a few people who would think that's actually accurate I know, who would be like, really? Okay. <laughs> Another word from that time that was also thought to have magical powers was ananazapta. Ananazapta. And that was actually like a, a common word. I don't know how abracadabra made it through history and is still a phrase we know, but anazapta wasn't, you know? Ananazapta. Abracadabra has like a nice rhyme and like a nice little swing to it. Yeah. Abracadabra. It rhymes. I feel like ananazapta doesn't really do that for me. It feels showy, though. I feel like you go, ananazapta. It does work. Yeah. If you say it like that, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. If you were to come up with a magical word... What's your go-to? What's your go-to magic word? If you were to go on stage and ta-da, what would your word be? Oh, um, oogity boogity. No, hold on. Hey, all right. It rhymes. I feel like I already made one up when I tried to repeat tetragrammatron and I said it wrong. So you said tetradragon. <laughs> Tetradragontron. That's that's mine. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I would like to bring back Ananazapta, I think. Ananazapta sounds like, the way you said it kind of convinced me. You got a little bit of like pizzazz. You got to be on with it. You, this is... Yeah, for sure. You don't get to, you know, schlep around with Ananazapta. You got to... <laughs> that's what I always say. <laughs> you got to be ready for it. <laughs> anyway, so Tamsin would use these words, just these arbitrary words, I guess, except for abracadabra, and she would write them down on these pieces of paper. But she would also write spiritual names on the papers, like Adonai, Jah, and Jehovah. Um, oh. So all different names referring to God. Tamza would also, for an additional charge, add an extra design on the paper. <laughs> She's like, let me doodle on this, but it'll be $5. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. It supposedly made the charm stronger, I guess, to have maybe an image to focus on or... What if it was like a big swirl? And you stare at it and you go... And you hypnotize yourself. Abracadabra, you know. Oh, my God. Ooh, that hypnotized me just thinking about it. You know what? Maybe I have a new... I'm diversifying. This is my new career path. (laughs) Yeah, I'm officially not a part of your platform and I'm nervous. (laughs) Shaking in my boots over here. But yeah, you're totally right. She was essentially just doodling on pieces of paper and calling it magic. And yikes, people were still buying it, though. I mean, like, I don't know. I guess you would have to call it grifting. Someone had to have bought it and thought... This is probably just like a tacky little tchotchke, but I like it anyway. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. There's something to be said for being able to convince people that you're 
really powerful and hand them a piece of paper and get them to pay for it. So I do give her credit on that front. Like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think she's still a businesswoman. She's a great businesswoman. <laughs> At the end of the day, she is a businesswoman and people are listening. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking about this, I got to tell you, her charms were a hit and made her a lot of money. Wow. Especially, interestingly, with the demographic of sailors who would buy them before <gasps> oh. leaving on trips. So now she's getting like tourist tchotchkes. She's like, sure. She's fallen into that industry. We're well, like, and I know it. Sailors are historically very superstitious, so hmm. it would make sense that if they believed this was really a, a helpful trinket, a magical trinket, that word would spread and people would want to. I mean, I just heard a fun fact about ships that having a cat on board, especially a black cat, was bad luck and meant your ship would sink. Wow. Black cats are just the just bottom of the barrel again. <laughs> rough time. Rough time, these black cats. But anyway, <laughs> that's very interesting that like sailors were the ones who were notably into this into this trend. I wonder because they were notoriously superstitious. I wonder if they were like, look, if you say it could help, I'm not going to knock it. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And so they just were like, you know what? We happened to not sink every time we brought that piece of paper on board with exactly. us. Exactly. I mean, talk about marketing. And then one time Gerald dropped his in the ocean and just became a soggy, crumpled mess. And a black cat appeared in the sky. I don't know. It's something like that would happen. Yeah, it sounds about right. But dark side time because Tamsin wasn't perfect. Oh, no. She was rumored to have actually drank away all of her earnings from her work. Oh, no. And she didn't always use her powers for good. There's a story about a village cobbler who refused to take Tamsin's shoes because she was bad about paying her bills. And she reportedly told him, you'll be sorry for that. For in a short while, I will see to it that you have no work to do. Oh, no. And can you guess what happened? The cobbler's business went under and he was forced to leave town. That's terrible. Which... Maybe her magic works. Maybe she was manifesting really hard. Maybe well, it was... she could just be telling her clients, like, don't go to him. Yeah, I was going to say, or maybe it is convenience, or maybe she is just telling them whatever she wants to tell them and is affecting people's businesses. It sounds like she had a lot of power with all her clients. She could probably just say, oh, that guy is a force of evil. He's a shitty cobbler. I don't know. You could probably say a lot of things yeah. and uh, cause him trouble. And that's not really fair. I mean, he just wanted you to pay for his work. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like he did anything much worse than that. Yeah. I feel like anyone could threaten the same thing today and not be magical. Just be like, oh, yeah, well, you'll be sorry because something's going to happen. I'm going to ruin your job. Like, that's it's terrifying. Terrifying and an easy threat for anyone to make. So I don't know how magical she was. But because of her reputation people ran with that of like oh wow exactly. she just destroys lives sure and as we said from the start we don't know much about her life and much of what we know about tamsin is from stories passed verbally over time instead of actual writings got it but based on her death certificate she died in 1856 wow okay wow what a life and that is tamsin blight oh man i mean blight new uh, meaning to that last name what do you think about Tamsin? But also, do you have any opinions on which entrepreneurs in general after hearing her story? I mean, which which entrepreneurs, which entrepreneurs, which entrepreneurs, I'll work on it, sound to me like something awesome that I want to be a part of. I love it. I love it. I feel like Tamsin was maybe doing a little harm through her witchery, her witchcraft. I will say, too, like her drinking and stuff. I don't necessarily equate that to being a bad person or... I don't either. So I don't I don't mean... She was struggling. To be, 
Yeah, yeah. Or maybe she just liked to drink and people rumored, or maybe she... She was a woman, you know, so maybe she... was she, also a woman, right? They could have said anything about her and been like, mm, well, evil. And it was a rumor, and people have their vices, etc. That's not really where I'm going, but the part about, you know... A power dynamic. She... yeah. Both of them seem to have been okay with abusing their power to get what they needed. Yes, yes. So in that way, they were kismet and for each other. So I will say about which entrepreneurs, I am on board with you. We're like, I do think it's very empowering and awesome. And I have yeah. certainly bought many things from which entrepreneurs. Yeah, same. I just think there is definitely a, I don't know if it's a heavier ethical code than other entrepreneurs, but there's a, a lot of trust that I think your clients probably put into you. Yes. There's an additional responsibility because you're tampering with something that's very sacred and also a lot of people don't know anything about and you, the entrepreneur, know that. And so it is a a balance of like, oh, if you're going to, you know, make a living off of this, there you do yeah. have some added responsibility. And I think Tamsin was like, nah. No, I totally agree. And, and or maybe she was just like, nah, when it suited her, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I mean, it goes with, a lot of careers, say you're, I don't know, a life coach or yeah. a doctor or whatever, where you are influencing people's lives in such a big way. Yeah, I imagine um, there is a code to live by. You have to have some strong morals if you're going to play that industry. Especially because, remember I said earlier, a lot of pellers at the time were super secretive and did most of their stuff behind closed yeah. doors. I would argue you could also have zero morals and really be successful. You know what I mean? That's I think- true. You got to be one or the other. <laughs> you either got to commit to your morals or you got to have zero morals and just be a charlatan and succeed that way. Because I know many people do. I do wonder what she was up to during private sessions, because if she was just publicly like doodling on paper and selling it, like what was she up to in private sessions? Yeah. Like how much of that was real or not? Or how much yeah. of it did she, even she believe? It's interesting. I feel like if I could ask her any question where I knew I was getting the truth out of her, I'd be like, what's truly the most powerful thing you feel like you've accomplished or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, either way, I still appreciate the story for female empowerment back in the day. She she found a way to uh, make it on her own and she was a hustler. And Absolutely. I don't deny that one bit. Sounds like she was quite the businesswoman. I like this one. I like that she is also not getting burned at the stake at the end. Hey. You know, that's a fun plot twist that we usually don't get. (laughs) I am taken aback. I'm like, wait a minute. Everyone's alive. So (laughs) refreshing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks for uh, listening, Christine. Thanks for your expert tutelage, Em. Yikes. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from the books Pagan and Witch Elders of the World by Tamara Von Forslund, the Encyclopedia of Witches, Witchcraft, and Wicca by Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Mysterious Celtic Mythology and American Folklore by Bob Curran and James Cantrell, and Cornish Witchcraft by William H. Painter. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at VM Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schiefer. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. 
Research by Sapphire Williams. Fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schieffer and M. Schultz. Dahmer, Bundy, Gacy, Ramirez. You know the names, but do you know the whole terrifying story? Every Monday and Thursday on Serial Killers, take a horrific journey through the origin, evolution, and madness of a real-life murderer, exploring the reasons why they lived to kill. Some were charismatic, others were calculated, but all of them were disturbingly deadly. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. Listen free only on Spotify.